seriously popular. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In today's episode, why captaincy is too big for Bruno, is Serena on a par with Pep, and how Foden could be the new Gazza. I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Chris, Bruno Fernandes said he wanted an apology from the referee after Manchester United lost at Tottenham at the weekend. Was the referee the reason United lost that game? Um, absolutely not. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, first and foremost, needs to uh, sort himself out and his team out rather than you know looking at referees and, and, and their decisions. Bruno Fernandes, for me, shouldn't be captain of, of Manchester United. Absolutely not. He, he is not a leader. And that basically sums him up. It's about taking responsibility as a captain. And the bottom line is, is the first two performances of the season from Manchester United, they've looked like a testimonial team, a, a team who was stuck still stuck in pre-season. And, uh, you know, he needs to turn up and, and show better leadership qualities, not blaming referees. I think that is the first two-footed Chris Silton tackle I've ever, ever seen. Really? That is, that is you have got the show off, up and running with that. It's a, it's a bold statement, mate. We've talked about it's, it before, it's, it's, it's off not, camera. It's not about, a bold statement. It's, no? It's, no, it's not a bold statement. Um, I mean, there, there's an argument, you look in the Manchester United team about, you know, how many leaders do they actually have? But there, there must be uh, players better suited, like Varane, maybe even like Luke Shaw, Casemiro, who have better leadership qualities than Bruno Fernandes. You wouldn't want to go into the trenches with Bruno Fernandes. They will beat teams and they will beat teams well. They'll beat teams well at home when they play with the crowd behind them and they get that pace into their play and Rashford has a good a good afternoon or a good evening. They will beat teams, but I do think we'll also see them struggle as well. Now, Roy Keane, who we have mentioned a few times on this podcast already over the last couple of weeks, described them in typical Keane fashion as schoolboys and children. Any thoughts? <laughs> I mean, who am I to argue with uh, with Roy Keane? Um, look, he he's been there. He's done it at Manchester United. He he understands the the standards which need to be set, and it's about it, it's about trying to challenge Manchester City. Ten Hag did brilliantly last season, but as I said, it's about making that next step. And the truth is, at this moment in time, 
based on the performances of the first two games of this Manchester United team, you can't see them touching Manchester City. I think they will finish in the top four, but I also think I that I, st- I do also think there's a, a, a gap still, a significant gap between themselves and Manchester City, and that will continue to be a problem. Now, other side of the world, um, there was a huge football match in Sydney um, at the weekend. The, our Lionesses, sadly, um, couldn't quite manage to win their World Cup final. They lost 1 0 to Spain. A very, very tight game, dramatic game, 13 minutes of added time. Do they come home as heroes? I think so. It depends how you want to, you know, look at the look at the word hero uh, or heroes. Um, I think that they've been pretty heroic in in the just just basically with the seismic shift within the country. You know what what the team have done under Serena Wiegmann, winning the Euros, performing well at the World Cup, and the impact has had across the country. So in that respect, come home as heroes. They probably feel the players that you know they've. That, that chance has passed them by to, to win a World Cup. So I think there'll be disappointment within the group. But as a whole, I think we can say it's pretty heroic. Only a misery would say something different. <laughs> what, what, are you get, what are you getting at there? What are you getting at? Do, you, do you not think they're heroes? <laughs> now, you and I, or you had the misfortune to sit opposite me on a train from Manchester to London yesterday by complete coincidence on a very, very busy train. Yeah, the only the seat one. the only seat that was available. <laughs> what, is, what, is was, that, what does that tell you about me? Yeah, when, when that lady moved to let me sit down, I saw, the, I saw the expression on your face. I thought, oh no, I've got to spend every Monday morning with him, not Sunday as well. Um, but you coped. And what, one of the things that we noticed on that train, because we were on the train while the Lionesses game was taking place, was the number of people sitting uh, on the train, streaming the game, listening on the radio, shouts from down the down the kind of carriage when, when the penalty was saved, etc. It was wonderful. And it, and it brought home to us, I think, just how they, the Lionesses have captured the imagination yeah. of the country. There's no doubt about that. You know, there were, there, were, there were girls and boys going off to school and nursery wearing England kits who wouldn't have been wearing them um, previously. And that's terrific. But though, as always in football, some interesting debate has spun off this. And there has been, again, some, some more of these kind of constant and unnecessary comparisons with the, the men's game. What is it about our sporting psyche that makes us do that? Why are we constantly comparing the women's football well, it, team it, it, with the men's football it's, team? It's not me doing that. Is, so it, d- is it you? Well, it, it, there are certainly people in my industry who are doing it. There are people in, the, uh, in football who are doing it. Phil Neville, for example, previously manager of the England team, uh, managed them to a World Cup in France, did an awful lot for women's football. Phil still cares about it. He suggested in the Times at the weekend that Serena Wiegmann, the England coach, um, is as good a coach as Pep Guardiola. That's a, and big, should, that's a big statement. And should be paid as much as Gareth Southgate. Mm. Um to compare Serena Wiegmann to to Pep uh, and all his achievements, I think I think that that is a stretch. Um, you know, and lo- longevity with Pep as well. The, you know, the, Serena's been managing uh, you know a good few years, but I don't think the length that Pep has managed and you know wouldn't have Pep's experience that doesn't make her a bad manager. But you know, I, I think she still has a lot of work to do to to get to Pep's level in terms of uh, honours and you know a, a trophy hall. In terms of salaries. Uh, Serena's paid in the region of about £400,000 a year. Gareth Southgate, the England men's manager, is paid in the region of £5 million a year. Is that gap, is that gap too great? Absolutely. I, I, I've got to say, I'm not really up, up on why Gareth is paid that much and why Serena seemingly has paid so little in comparison uh, to Gareth. Uh, I mean, it, it must be due to 
commercial. I, I, what what I, I I don't know, but you know what would make sense to me is if Gareth is 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 paid a percentage of whatever the commercial pot is for for England, then Serena should be paid that same percentage in the women's game, if you understand what I'm saying there. One of the reasons that the FA have put forward for the gap is that the men's game um, generates an enormous amount of money compared to the women's game. But I would actually say that the the two jobs are different. Serena Vigman does a brilliant coaching job. Gareth Southgate's job is much more than being the the manager of of the England team and the coaching. He's a figurehead for the FA when Gareth Southgate, is Serena Vigman not a figurehead. I think when Gareth Southgate speaks, his words are kind of heard around the world. They're heard heard around Europe, and I just think. But, it's that, the, but that, but that, that's well, not a basis well, well, of, of why somebody should be paid it, uh, it such a wage, it, it, and and somebody shouldn't. The, the, paid, the England, the England women's manager and the England uh, men's manager have, as far as I can see, the same responsibility. You are paid to carry that responsibility. And Serena, and I, Serena Vigman carries that responsibility in the same way Gareth Southgate does. I think Gareth responsibilities because the nature of the modern world <coughs> is greater and wider. Than, does does than, Gareth than work more days in a, in a year, more hours than Serena Vigman? Well, I think we both know, Chris, that, that how many hours you work in a working day doesn't necessarily determine what you're paid unless because everyone in the country would then be but, paid but, exactly but, the same. But, and that's, but, and that's no, but, ridiculous. But, 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 but then neither should it, should it work in a way that because Gareth Southgate takes more flack from supporters, which is essentially what you're saying than Serena Vigman, that he should be paid what was it, uh, four, 4.4 million pounds more? I think the gap between the two is too great. 4.6 million. I think, true. I wasn't, I wasn't going to embarrass you. <laughs> I wasn't going to embarrass you. I went to a village school. I got there in the end. I always know when you're really invested in a debate, you start pointing at me. You start pointing. You've been jabbing your finger <laughs> no. at me now for about three minutes. Oh, no, I feel like, I feel like poking you in the yeah, eye. Yeah, I'm glad that, glad that there's that kind of meter between I mean, you're going to say next, you are going to say you next, that Serena, Serena Vigman couldn't step into Gareth's shoes. Correct. End of podcast. No, um, what I'm going to say first before I say that is that I think the gap between in pay is too great. I would imagine we know that on the back of this World Cup, the Americans who are probably the biggest nation in the world in terms of women's football had a terrible World Cup. The Americans are eyeing up Vigman as a possible new coach. Mm. Um, she said she doesn't want to go. I'm sure that there'll probably, there'll probably be a contract renegotiation with the FA. And I hope if and when that happens, then that gap between her and Gareth um, just grow smaller, but I don't think she should be that she should be paid the same as the manager, the manager of the men's team. But this but, is why, but, 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 this but is your why. view, your view is the job is different. But, but why? Why? It's not different. Why it is? Why no, it's not. it is? Why do we have this obsession with comparing the two? I don't understand it. It doesn't really happen with, because because really when, because because when there is such a disparity uh, within. The, the pay structure, which there, there clearly is, then I can understand why these debates come, you well, know, come around because you, you know you are essentially saying there is a difference in the jobs, and there's, well, there is, there absolutely is, there absolutely isn't. Walk a week in Gareth Southgate's shoes, and then and then come back to me. What, but I still don't understand why there's this need to do this. It doesn't happen in cricket. Doesn't happen in golf. Doesn't really happen in it happens in, in tennis. In, well, the equal pay thing happens in tennis with Wimbledon, and you know, I, for what it's worth, I, d- I think that's a valid argument. The women at Wimbledon should be paid the same as the men. They give the same entertainment value just because they only play two set, uh, three sets, and the men play five. It's irrelevant. But we're not here to talk about tennis. I don't understand why this debate goes on. Why it needs to be a debate. What we need to do for women's football is in my, in my opinion but, but, but it's, a, it's it's a debate because it's it is about 
in this instant, in this instance, it's about equality. There, we're, isn't going, to, it? we're going to close it in a minute because we've already spent probably too long talking about it and pointing fingers at each other. But my view on women's football is very, very simple: that we need to enjoy it and and cherish is it. Not, is not patronising? I've not finished yet. Enjoy it and cherish. Oh. We need to enable it because participation rates around uh, around the country for young girls need to be higher. There needs to be more opportunity. We need to fund it. We need to watch it because I think some um, attendances in the WSL are still not as high as they might be. We need to do all of those things, look after it, fund it, cherish it, watch it, enable it, and then just let it be and let it grow into what it's going to be. It's already gone like that. It's already gone towards the moon without Mm. anybody else getting involved. Let it be. Final question. There has also been talk. You're the one who brought it up. Well, well, I've got got to talk about something. (laughs) Let it be, I'll bring it up. Sit here and look at each other for half an hour, like we did on the train yesterday. (laughs) Just be ridiculous. Um, um, Also be terrible audio. Um, (laughs) There's also been a suggestion that Serena could maybe, should be qualified to succeed Gareth. What's your take on that? Would you, what would you, how would you have felt um, if you'd have been coached by um, a woman in, during your career at the top level? Not a problem. It's, yeah. a, it's about somebody's ability to do the job. Did you think then that, uh, that Big Sam was a good appointment for England? Did you think Gareth had the credentials going into the England job? You know, you've got me where there. he came from. You got me there. I did think that Big Sam was a good appointment. Um, and I didn't lump, lump it football for England. You sort of enjoyed Honestly, that appointment. You, did you? you accused me on previous shows of being a dinosaur. If you think Sam Allardyce at Bolton played lump it football with you, Jorkiev and Ivan Campo and JJ and Nicholas Anelka. It was lump it to Kevin Davis. Jorkiev just ran onto it right. and, and finished. If, and if you think that people who went to watch that Bolton team were not entertained, were not engaged... Are you and, telling, and me, are you telling me they weren't direct? And wouldn't have it back in a heartbeat... In a well, of heartbeat, course they would have then it you back, are a liar. No. So don't come to me with caveman football and dinosaur football because that is a load of nonsense, Chris Sutton. It really isn't. It winds me up. I can, well, I can see. I did, was, did, you, did you think Gareth was the right appointment? No. Then? Right, so you, no. so you didn't. But, yeah, then, but, then, but then you have warmed to Gareth. Because, Pre- because why? Because of, because of the job which he's done. So, so why then, why is it such an issue, Serena Vigman, if she took over? England national team. I, I honestly, it, it's about the ability to do the job. What about then when Arsene Wenger first arrived in this country? Yeah, there was an awful it, lot. There was, it, there was a lot, yeah. lot of pushback against that as well. But let's stick. Let's try and stick to to this topic because it's, it's interesting. You are better qualified than me to talk about that because you've been in those dressing rooms and I haven't. But I, t- I tell you what, I tell you the one person who isn't talking about being the next England uh, men's manager and who isn't talking about being as good as uh, Pep Guardiola and isn't talking about equal pay. No, that is Serena Vigman. She's not talking about any of this. She's doing her job, doing it brilliantly. And why can't we just let that be? Okay. And by the way, just, I don't think this, and by the way, I don't think this, it's you who brought it up. I, I don't think there should be a parade when they get home, simply because if you give a, if you give it, if you if you hand out a parade to people who haven't won, what on earth do you do when they to people who are, who have won? Two parades, yeah, I, a, a bigger I would, bus. Yeah, I, I've got to say I agree with you on on that. We're not we're not two miserable old men here, but you can't have a parade for a runners up parade. You, I mean, what, what are they going to hold? I'm quite. You, you, you need you need a trophy to I'm, hold. I'm quite a miserable old man. You, you recently described me as being glass half 
empty. And I went home and thought about it. I thought, I think I'm just glass empty. Well, I'm nearly empty. If there is such a thing. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, I'll tell you when I wasn't um, glass half empty, I was sitting in my lounge on uh, Saturday evening watching Manchester City against Newcastle because I thought that was a fascinating meeting of uh, the champions and, and a team obviously desperate to go where they've gone. I applauded Manchester City's goal. Literally. I did literally applaud. It was a bit odd. It was a bit odd that I was in a room on my own. I started started clapping. It did, was f- did did the wife come through and she was sitting on the chair watching watching a film on her on her iPad and just kind of glanced at me and, there's a, and then just went back to what, what she was doing. Why didn't you let her watch what she wanted on the television? And that was discussed. That was discussed. It was a short discussion. <laughs> it was a short discussion. Was it? it was discussed mm-hmm. and that was how I know which way around that would have been for me. But well, there carry we go. On. probably says more about you than anything else. Now, so I I applauded that goal. Phil mm. Foden's first touch. Tell me about that. Magnificent yeah. or what? The, the way he, uh, I, I, I'm, I was the same as you, the way he took that ball in, the way he glides, the way he manoeuvred the ball so quickly, it, it looks effortless to him. It's really so hard effortless. to do. It, 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 it is such a difficult skill, but he, you know, he makes it look easy. And this is this is the the beauty of Manchester City, isn't it? You, you know they've lost Gundogan, De Bruyne are out, and uh, we know Foden has been getting better and better. But I mean, he was phenomenal the other night. Kevin De Bruyne's absence with this hamstring injury, which looks dreadful, by the way, that photograph of him in that plastic. We, we are looks, not we are not medical we are experts, not, but it looks awful. The prognosis is for a long layoff. Now that has allowed Foden to play central, and I thought he was magnificent in that position. Did you not? Yeah, if you're if you're going to ask me, is that his best position? Mm. I couldn't possibly answer that. Just he, he plays well in every position, as far as I because it, it tells you everything you need to know about his football brain. You know, being so versatile and uh, and uh, adaptable, 
So in that respect, he's he's a manager's dream, and we we know that you know Pep trusts him in each and every position he plays at. What he can play wide left, he can play wide right, coming inside. Just got that wonderful awareness of what's in and around him, how to take a ball. But he's a, yeah, he's a, he's wonderful to watch. When I interviewed Jack Grealish last season, I asked him who was the most skillful player in that squad, and like that, he said Phil Foden. And Did when he you're really? thinking um, De Bruyne, yeah. Riyad Mahrez. Gundogan at the time, uh, Bernardo Silva, he just said Phil Foden. Now, if that's the case, surely you want your your most skillful, I was going to say best player, but that's a different subject, most skillful player on the ball as often as possible, not sitting out on the left-hand side waiting for it, do you, get do him you in not, the middle. Do you not think Pep has thought about that? Well, he has, but we are here to discuss. There's no point just yeah. saying, oh, we can't talk about that because Pep knows best. No, but I mean, you're basically telling Pep, who's you know, won everything, the Premier League brand of football, where to play Phil Foden. You're saying to Pep, essentially, Pep, you've played him in the wrong position when you're playing him out wide. should probably ask Serena Vigman where she played Phil Foden. <laughs> um, what I do know, and this is fact rather than conjecture, is that I, I have a, um, a friendship with Jim Cassell, who was the former head oh, of Cities. Oh, a friendship. Well, I do have a couple. Um, a couple of friendships in the game, uh, <laughs> apart from yours. Um, um, Jim Cassell, who was a former head of Cities Academy back in the day, and he was in charge of Cities Academy when when... Foden came through. Um, Jim's retired now, and he always very fondly refers to Phil Foden as Philip. He calls him Philip. And uh, when we had lunch three or four years ago, he, um, it was at that time when Foden wasn't in Guardiola's team. There's an awful lot of fuss about, oh, why isn't Pep playing him? He's the future of English football. He should be in the team. And Jim said to me, he said, he said the next step that Philip has to take is to develop that burst of pace that you know, Gaza had when he had the ball, Messi has to, to take possession and get away from, from opponents. And he said, when he develops that, then you will see him. And I think that is what we see now, don't we? We see a player who's got all the skill in the world, but is also able to get the ball and accelerate away from Because if you can't do that in, in the Premier League, it's so physical, you just get pulled back, you get tackled. Do, do you think the, uh, <clears throat> you know, you've made a comparison with Gaza. That's a, that's a, Big comparison, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not saying he's the next Paul Gascoigne because who is will there ever be another Paul Gascoigne? Maybe not. But in terms of that part of his game, you mm. know, when I think of Gaza, I think of him running with the ball, elbows out, you know, opponents falling off him as he as he as he, which which was what part of the game he lost when he did his knee. That was one of the great mm. tragedies of the injury in the cup final against Forest with Gaza. He lost when that knee was reconstructed. He lost that half a yard of pace, and as you. As, you were never that quick, Chris. But and I, for once, I'm not. <laughs> that, I'm no, not teasing you about no. this. But as a player, if you need, if you lose your speed, you're struggling, aren't you? If you if you that's it, if that's part of your game. Yeah. It's, so I, I remember Gascoigne being a Norwich City youth team player watching Gascoigne. He came to Spurs, came to Carroll Road, and just being in awe of him. It was like he was playing in his back garden and like three yards ahead of everybody else on the pitch. And I think Foden is getting. You know, he's he's getting to that level. He's so, so good to watch. I was one, actually, in, in Foden's early days, uh, I was one work why Manchester City not letting him out on loan, but he's actually benefited from staying and, and learning from the master. In Pep, we trust. I think that's what we would... Well, well, you, you were sort of not trusting him, telling him to play him in a different position. So one of the performances of the weekend saw West Ham 
beat Chelsea 3-1 in the Premier League with uh, Brazilian midfielder Lucas Paqueta scoring an injury time penalty to put some nice shine on that performance. Now, it's been a difficult few days for West Ham and Paqueta. Paqueta is the subject of an FA inquiry into suspicious betting activities. And our own Kieran Gill broke that story at the weekend and joins us now to explain exactly what it all means. Hi, Kieran. Hi guys, how are you? We're very well, mate, thank you. And one of the things I really want to ask you, Kieran, is what makes this Paquetta case different to previous cases we've seen around betting with Ivan Tony, Joey Barton, Kieran Trippier and people like that? Well, like the Ivan Tony one, that, that always gets used as the comparison when you hear about potential betting breaches. And, you know, Tony's since been diagnosed as a gambling addict. He was charged with 232 breaches. He admitted he broke the rules. He got an eight-month ban. Whereas uh, Lucas Paqueta, it's not about whether he was the one placing bets because that's that's not what's been investigated. What it is, is it's a series of bets when placed in Brazil to do with him. Um, and from what we hear, they are for him to get a yellow card against Aston Villa. And lo and behold, he did get a yellow card and the bookmakers were liable to pay out significant winnings. Um, and... It was a bit strange because Paqueta plummeted to odds on uh, to be booked that day. And he's not a player, you know, for getting booked. You know, he's not, you know, if, if Chris Sutton was odds on to get booked in the old firm, I think we could understand, but not not Paqueta. Um, so you, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a messy one at the moment. What you appear to be saying, Kieran, is that there were bets placed on Paqueta to be booked. And the insinuation is that those bets were being placed possibly being placed by people he knew, given that a lot of those bets were being placed in his country of birth. Yeah, I mean, we we should say that Paqueta denies all wrongdoing. And, um, you know, his people haven't spoken out yet. Western aren't saying anything. Uh, the FA aren't saying anything. But, it's, but what we've been told... Um, according to sources, is that the betting accounts were traced back to, believe it or not, uh, Paqueta Island, which is a small island in uh, near Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Uh, it's where Lucas Paqueta grew up. His real name isn't Lucas Paqueta. It's something else. He's nicknamed after this island. Um, and that's where the betting accounts were traced back to, which is suspicious enough. But, the, but you know, the fact that money was being placed on him to get a yellow card... And so much so that the odds plummeted to him being odds on to get booked when he's just not that type of player. But then you also have this ludicrous situation where Paqueta has taken a penalty against Chelsea on Sunday and he's got the Betway logo across his shirt. And behind the goal, the Betway logo is all over all the advertising boards. Uh, and I've since found out that it was Betway who reported the suspicious betting activity themselves. They told the authorities, the authorities told FIFA, FIFA told the FA and the FA are now investigating Lucas Paqueta. So it was West Ham's own shirt sponsor who, in a way, initiated this investigation. It would appear to be one of those situations that you quite literally could not make up. It's a very serious uh, business. Great work, Kieran, on uncovering the start of that trail. I'm sure you'll be all over that story in the days and weeks to come. Thanks for joining us, mate. Now, weekend highlights. Another fascinating weekend of Premier League football. My weekend highlight is... 
Kilmarnock's victory over Celtic. But they've already beaten Rangers in the league. They've now knocked Celtic out of the League Cup. They have a plastic pitch. They are the oldest team in the Scottish Premiership, I believe. They have, you, you've been, they have, you, you've 100% hang on. They have, been Googling They have squirrels morning. on their badge, apparently. <laughs> I'm all for squirrels. I'm nuts for squirrels. They're, they're famous for pies. The killy pie. Don't try and outdo me with my cut on your Kilmarnock knowledge. Now, that for me was my highlight of the weekend. I love it when a small club beats a big club. But what does that mean for Celtic? It's, uh, it was coming. It, it wasn't a great surprise, um, Celtic losing that game from the evidence which I've seen. I don't know whether Celtic have been complacent or arrogant in terms of they've already got Champions League uh, uh, qualification. Uh, you know, to the to the group stage, so that they're straight in. But I think they've sat on the hands too much during this uh, transfer window. They let Jota go for twenty five million to um, to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Aaron Moyer's gone. There are injuries to key defenders. They let Carl Starfelt go um, out to to Celta Vigo last week when it's not the end of the window, um, and which I thought was a baffling decision because if they're going to let him go, keep him until maybe Carter Vickers comes back. But Carter Vickers and, and Starfelt were the rocks for Celtic the last couple of seasons under Ange Postacoglu. Celtic never lost a domestic game with that partnership. So I think Celtic are weaker going into this season and it's a worry. And now the pressure is on because Brendan first time round, seven trophies out mm. of seven domestically and is already um, out of the League Cup. So, so, so that's a worry. And at this moment in time, looking at the Champions League, which is a big deal for Celtic, and, you know, they're always up against it in the Champions League. The squad are looking really, really weak and, and, and short. What it might do, though, is actually give them a kick up the backside that we actually need to bring not development players in, but players um, who are ready to go straight into the first team and take Celtic up another level. Brendan blamed it on the plastic pitch. Yeah, do you know what? I've never seen a good game on a plastic pitch and, and Kilmarnock beat Rangers earlier on in the season there. I think it is an advantage for Kilmarnock, but Brendan did blame it on the plastic pitch, but then he said he wouldn't blame it on the plastic pitch. That small, se- that, that small section of um, Celtic support who didn't want Brendan back because the way he left the first time, they'll have, they'll have the knives out now, won't they? Um, well, they would. I mean, you know, I, I think that most of the Celtic support thought Brendan was the right man to come back in terms of coaching credentials, the best man for the job. But what we do know... Uh, north of the border is the climate can change very, very quickly. And now I think, you know, seeing the stuff online about how Celtic played and a lot of supporters are unhappy about the, you know, the, the way that they played, didn't create opportunities and it will become a problem. They played Rangers in a couple of weeks, which now turns into an enormous game. And Michael Beale hasn't got off to a flyer himself. So, I mean, it's interesting time. Celtic versus Rangers, an enormous game. You heard it here first by Chris Sutton. <laughs> now, I think that will is a suitable point to leave it for this week. Um, How is your fantasy team this week? Did you did you captain Haaland? I mean, look, you're, have you got anyone in your fantasy team yet that the kind of a four-year-old couldn't choose? You know, is there anyone apart from kind of, you know, Grealish and... Harland and Salah and lots of other really good players. Any kind can, of- can I can I just can I just oh, read re- can I just read out a couple of responses to your bedwetting uh, shout for? No, uh, I never actually used players. that term. By the way, that was uh, extrapolation of what I said. So that, that so you misquoted. You're just saying so, so. Hang on a minute. Premier League players. They're talking about fantasy football. This is in response to you. Premier League players play it. 
How out of touch are the media these days? Ian Ladyman, they mean by that. And I'll have you know, I do leave the house to scout for my FPL team. Look, I am out what? of I'm out of touch with the modern game in, in ways that these that these guys have absolutely no no idea. So uh, I think they're probably spot on there. But we'll take it. Look, let's have, let's have more of that. Let's have more of your comments. Let's have more of your thoughts, good, <laughs> bad, and different about me, about this guy, whatever. Um, and that's it for this week. I think. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for listening. If you are listening to the audio version of, of this show, then make sure you go to wherever you get your podcast from. If you're watching, it's YouTube. Please remember to like and subscribe. It's really, really important to us. For all your breaking news, it's made online. Remember to download the Mail Plus app. And most importantly of all, make sure you're back here next time for the next version of this show. I'm Ian Ladyman, the chap sitting to my left looking rather pleased with himself. Is Chris Sutton. It's all kicking off. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 